Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Ninth State Sports Show Football Edition. My name is Joe Marcellina, and I am joined once again by Mike Lockman. Mike, how are you doing today? Doing great, Joe. Happy, uh, as we are speaking, happy Halloween Eve. Yes, happy Halloween Eve. Uh, you got your costume picked out yet? Yeah, it's a uh, it's a retired NHIAA football coach. <laughs> how did I know you? How did I know you were going to say that? <laughs> it was the first thing that came to uh, mind. <laughs> I quick quick uh, quick story, uh, if if we can. Um, I, I probably I don't know if I've mentioned this on this here, here before. My wife and I had a uh, we were married in late October, uh, eleven years ago. Had a, a Halloween themed wedding. And uh, most of our guests showed up in costume, which we asked them to. Um, and uh, I definitely had a colleague that showed up as uh, from the Telegraph that showed up as a reporter. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm still I'm still trying to decide on mine. Do I want to you know, I'll be I'll be handing out the candy tomorrow, uh, Tuesday night. Do I want to go? Do I want to go with something scary or, or do I want to just, uh, you know, go as myself, which might be equally as scary. Who knows? Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's the good thing there is that you kind of, you can kind of play it either way and end up with the same result. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, well, uh, you can always, as always send, uh, questions or feedback, or if you want to tell us what your costume was this year, uh, you can shoot us an email at nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at, at NHHS Sports. And you can listen to the show Tuesday mornings throughout the football season at nh-highschoolsports.com. Uh, and that, uh, that, that really is uh, throughout the football season now that we are heading into the playoffs. Uh, we, are, we are with you all the way through and then some. Um, I believe we still got like, a, what, like another month or so to go here with, with podcasts, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I mean, well, the extended Division One playoff season gets us there, right? And then right. we usually do a, a wrap up kind show. Of a wrap yeah. up, yeah. So a lot, a lot left to talk about. Uh, even though we're we're going to start cutting down games here every single week, uh, but before we get into any talk of uh, games or playoffs or anything like that, uh, you know, we start out each show with uh, by picking a uh, a player and a team of the week each year. Uh, so let's do that. And, uh, I don't know, Mike, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I think I went first last okay. week, so I think you uh, should do the my, honor. My turn. All right. Yep. So for, for my pick this week, um, a guy we haven't talked about a lot, uh, who's having an outstanding year, uh, for the Bedford Bulldogs, um, you know, as they try to repeat as D1 champs, uh, I'm going with, uh, quarterback, uh, Danny Black for this week. Uh, in their uh, 48-0 win over Merrimack, uh, he was 6-9 uh, of nine passing for 178 yards and three touchdowns. And, and honestly, like, those have been kind of his numbers pretty much every week, you know, give or take a couple touchdowns or maybe 50 yards or so. Or, you know, he, they're, they've been up, you know, so big in so many first halves that he hasn't had to you know, always throw a ton or probably play in the second half of games. But, you know, his his numbers have been very efficient. Um, you know, he's thrown for a couple scores every week. And, uh, you know, just um, that experience from last year, um, you know, really helping helping out the Bulldogs this week, this year. And uh, now they get a bye uh, in the playoffs to, to kind of rest up and, and see who they're going to play, uh, you know, in about two weeks. Yeah, and I think it's a great week for that pick, too, because, you know, we've talked a, a little, not a ton about Merrimack this year, but what we have really highlighted is that their defense has been impressive at times. Yeah. You know, you're talking about a Merrimack defense that just a week before held Portsmouth Oyster River to 13 points. And, and as a result of that, I think came really close to winning that game. Right. Um, and, and what does Danny Black do but go out there and lead Bedford to, a 48 point route essentially against a, a, a really good defense who had, you know, seen a pretty critical test the week before um, had held off a, a pretty good Wyndham team uh, two or three weeks before. So definitely an impressive feat for, for Bedford and, and uh, with Danny black as their signal caller, no doubt. I'm sure a little bit of, uh, of, of, of revenge in the, on the minds too, for Bedford uh, coming off of the, the win that Merrimack had in the final regular season game a year ago too. Right. Uh, right. Another game where their defense performed yeah, really well. Yeah. 
But yeah, you're you're talking about the defense for Merrimack. I mean, the the 48 that Bedford put up is 20 more uh, than anyone else has hung on Merrimack this year. Right. So yeah, certainly a a, a good performance against a good defensive team uh, for Danny Black. How uh, how about you? Who was your uh, player of the week this week? Well, speaking of really good quarterbacks that play for really good teams, I couldn't resist picking um, Portsmouth Oyster Rivers' Aiden Thomas. Um, you know, I, speaking of that Merrimack-Portsmouth game, I had seen him play um, in that game and, and was pretty impressed with him. And one of the things that I had noticed in the Merrimack game last week was, and I, and I remember reading this, I, I don't remember whether I read it in the press or I heard it in an interview or whatever, but I, I know that Coach Pafford was looking for Thomas to use his legs a little bit more. And you could see some of that in the in the Merrimack game last week. They were using him on designed runs more than I had seen him or read about him previously in the season. But this week, um, they go out there, beat Timberlane decisively, 47-7. to And Thomas runs for over 170 yards and four rushing touchdowns on 15 carries completes 15 passes for 132 yards and another touchdown. So um, huge performance. I mean, he outgained, he, he outdid his passing yardage with rushing yardage this week. So, you know, I think that's, that's a really huge game for Portsmouth Oyster River and for, and for Aiden Thomas in particular, because headed into the playoffs as a team, that's absolutely going to be a marked team. You add just another problem for defenses now that that they've really kind of unveiled him as a legitimate rushing weapon not just a throwing weapon and sort of a, a guy that can handle the ball well i'm doing some quick math here um but i think if i got this right that's 305 total yards of offense uh for for mr thomas yeah uh, yeah incredible is, right yeah quite impressive uh yeah especially against timberlane who you know it's, that's a good team i know they missed the playoffs but um it's a well-coached, good football team, right? It's not like they were ringing somebody up that was really struggling this year. And and I'm sure uh, a, a game too that the Timberline, I, if I remember correctly, I think going into the finale last year, these two teams were in the opposite position. That Timberline was kind of trying to close out uh, the conference, and and Oyster River was, you know, I think they were squarely in the playoffs, but still fighting for seeding and i think portsmouth oyster river upset timberlane in the final game of the year last year i'm trying to let me pull this up real quick uh, yeah that does sound familiar because then because then timberlane ended up uh yeah they did they portsmouth won that game uh 14 to 7 because then timberlane ended up having to go to exeter in the quarterfinals right Um, and have a rematch of that earlier yeah game Yep. Yeah. So that was, uh, you know, that was that's another big thing too for Ports. You know, Portsmouth Oyster River going against a team that, uh, you know, again probably wants a little bit of revenge for, you know, you you kind of putting a, a little bit of a monkey wrench in their season last year. Yeah, those kids have have long memories for things like that. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I, Short I, memories heard, for other things. <laughs> I've heard uh, I've heard coaches sometimes too uh, can have uh, have those longer memories. Not not I'm not saying anyone specific, but I've I've heard some. Uh, mention that I, I absolutely had a memory when I was coach. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Good, good sometimes. And I'm sure bad sometimes. Yep. Uh, all right. Well, uh, let's move uh, to the team of the week. And I think we both have interesting picks here. Um, looking at teams that, uh, that needed wins and help to get in, uh, in some, in one case, uh, but I'm going to go with uh, with Monadnock for my team of the week. Uh, they were, you know, on the uh, on the playoff bubble, so to speak. Needed a win over Kingswood and some help to get that uh, fourth spot in the pl- in the D3 playoffs. You know, a team that was two and four at one point this season, uh, and then got wins in its last three, including a 17-7 win over Kingswood last week. Uh, in a game that the Kings would actually led seven to three at halftime, and yeah. then um, you know Manadnock got uh, a, a rushing touchdown um, from Ben Dean in the second half, and uh, and then a, a touchdown. They they play, ran a a fake field goal. Um, you know they lined up to an attempt a, a thirty two yard field goal up eleven to seven late in the game. And uh, instead, uh, Kobe Kidney, instead of 
kicking it, he took the direct snap and threw it to Dean for a 15-yard touchdown. Uh, you know, so that combined with uh, that win combined with uh, Fall Mountain losing 28-21 to Campbell in a, in a game that was a lot closer than I was expecting. Uh, yeah, I think you you mentioned the same too. Yeah. Um, you know, so Manadnock gets in as the four seed in Division Three and uh, earned themselves a, a trip back to Litchfield to uh, to take on Campbell in the, the semifinals this Saturday. Yeah, and, you know, it, it's an interesting pick, too, because that game, as you described it here, it's sort of a microcosm of the interesting season that Monadnock has sure, had. Sure, yeah, know? yeah, a lot of their wins have been like that. Yeah, it's been kind of an up-and-down season, and, and, and I think some of their losses have been like that, too, right? They've been like these really close kind of, um, you know, down-to-the-wire type games where, where you know, some some really uh, crazy stuff had to happen for the game to swing one way or the other. Some ro- so roller coaster, yeah, type of games, yeah. Yeah, so, so I mean, they wouldn't they... have it any other way over there in, in <laughs> Swansea, I guess, right? They did. Uh, they did come up uh, with a thirty-seven to six loss against Campbell uh, when they played about a month ago. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, as as we know from the past, I mean, you know, Monadnock did the same thing to Campbell in the regular season last year, and then Campbell went out there and and upset them um, in the in the playoffs. So right, anything is possible. Right. Uh, yeah. And, these these teams change a lot, especially in through the the course of you know the second half of October. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then I think from, uh, you know, along those lines that anything is possible, uh, I think that leads us into your, your team of the week. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think this was probably one of the more, you know, you, you look at scores and you say, oh, that was an exciting game when the scores are really high. But this seemed to me like it had to have been one of the more exciting games of the weekend. And that was the, uh, the Kaplan Cup game between Bishop Brady um, and their big rivals, Franklin. It, you know, Brady gets the three nothing win uh, on the strength of a fourth quarter Seamus McIntyre twenty two yard field goal, which again not only wins the game three to nothing, um, wins the Kaplan Cup for the team, but secures the number four spot uh, to wrap up the Division Four playoff seating. So, yeah. pretty big game for for Bishop Brady. Big game for Bishop Brady. T- tough break for Franklin. You know, we've talked yeah. about them a couple times, and they had some some big wins this year. You know, at three and four, um, you know, the most wins they've had in, I want to say, like six or seven years. Um, but for Brady, um, just a, a, you know, a nice rebound from what started off as a good year and then kind of, you know, got tough down the stretch. Um, obviously, And then, I mean, they're going to have another tough task you know, going into the playoffs against Newport, but um, you know it's a big, big deal to be able to say that you were you were in the dance. So, uh, yeah, congrats to Brady. Yeah, and and hey, like to your point, right? Franklin playing in a meaningful game. Yeah, last yeah. week of the season. Uh, you know that that's that's almost like a playoff like atmosphere itself, right? So, right. Um, so I think I think that's good for both teams, and it, and it's fitting that it was such a tight you know, kind of down to the wire, nail biter type of game. So yeah, congrats to Brady on that one. Yeah. And that was, and, and I, sorry, I was checking on this too, cause I thought I'd saw this out there um, that, that Franklin had actually blocked a field Brady field goal earlier in the game. Uh, or I think earlier in the fourth quarter, even. Uh, so yeah, I mean, which that's, may- that's quite the feat to, you know, for a, a high school kicker to come back out and try again, you know, with that fresh, again, fresh in your memory. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's a, a huge feat as well, being able to bounce yeah, back. You, yeah, absolutely. It's tough to shake those off sometimes. I mean, I I have coached in playoff games where we knew that our kicker had lost confidence for whatever reason. You know, I mean, the loss we had to Bedford that year. I, yeah, Jeff, it was just that's um, just what came to mind. Right. When in 2011, um, when I was with Hollis Brookline, we didn't we were going for two our last couple conversions because we knew that our kicker was, you know, kind of not in the right headspace at that point. Right. Uh, it wasn't worth the risk to, to try to put him out there and put him in that position. So it takes a lot of mental toughness to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, those are our, uh, our players and teams of the week for, uh, for week nine. Uh, crazy, right? Week nine of yeah. the, the, I almost said NFL 
high school season. <laughs> um, you know, this is uh, this is an interesting week for us uh, with the podcast because usually we do a lot of recapping what happened the week before, but with the playoffs on the horizon, we also want to talk a little bit about you know the matchups that are coming up. So we're going to try to do a, a little bit of a mix here uh, between the two. Um, so, uh, so, you know, we'll, if we, if we don't fully recap all of the games, uh, and that's what you were looking for, apologize, but, uh, we also want to talk some playoffs this week. Um, so that's, I think we're, yeah, I think we're entitled to talk about playoffs. <laughs> it's, you know, that's, exci- it's exciting. Absolutely. Um, you know, looking at, uh, I guess, I guess before we get into that, I mean, there were some pretty big games, you know, in D1 that had big playoff implications you know Londonderry and Salem played a pretty close game that um, that came down to seeding same with Exeter and Dover that one Dover got out to a lead early and Exeter had to come back to win that one Londonderry Salem I think was tied uh, in the second half or at least late in the second quarter it was 14-14 yeah Um, you know Bishop Girton had a, a a game against Nashua South that was close for a while before they were able to pull away again, to get some seating, get better seating in that one. But the one that was probably the 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 biggest game um, in terms of, of, you know, who was getting in and who wasn't actually came on Saturday, uh, you know, with Wyndham getting that uh, 27-7 to win over Concord, you know, and kind of an interesting setup. You know, everybody else played on Friday. You know, Wyndham knew what was in front of it going into the day. They needed a lot of help. Or I shouldn't say a lot of help. They needed help from at least one team between Alvern, Keene, Spalding, and Timberlane. They needed one of those teams to lose. And Timberlane did so to, to Portsmouth Oyster River, as we were discussing earlier. So that yeah. opened the door for Wyndham uh, to get in with a win over Concord. But what I thought was also interesting when I kind of broke this down and, and, and got a little deeper into the ratings and all that was that the outcome of that game was also going to affect who was the number two seed and who was the number three seed, you know, because uh, Portsmouth Oyster River had beaten Wyndham. If Wyndham won, then then the, the Clipper Cats were going to be the two seed and Bedford the three. And then the op, the, the vice versa, that Concord um, lost to Bedford. So if Concord had won, Bedford would have gotten the extra points and been the two seed uh, instead of the three. Oh, so, so it was down to a kind of a two-point swing there yeah because they were both tied Portsmouth Oyster River and Bedford were tied in points going into that game yeah um you know so obviously Wyndham getting the win gives Portsmouth Oyster River the two seed and Bedford the three uh and then Wyndham gets in as the 13 seed going up against number four Londonderry uh who only beat Wyndham 21 to 14 in the regular season so, right, I was going to say that's kind of an intriguing story yes, in itself because very intriguing. Was that Londonderry's in terms of NHIA games? Was I think that might was that Londonderry's closest game? Um, perhaps. Uh, in terms of right, right. Well, in terms obviously of final, they, they, final score. Yeah, obviously um, they lost to Pinkerton the in Pinkerton a close game. One. Yeah, that one that one was a four point game. So yeah, in back to back weeks, they had their two closest games. Right. I, that game was also played at Wyndham um, on a on a pretty rainy and gross kind of night. Uh, but then yep. again, that's been like half the season. So, right. <laughs> who knows? Yeah. And who knows what this coming weekend is going to bring? Exactly. I, well, yeah. Right. After after a gorgeous week, we've had a couple of pretty typical fall, late fall uh, or late October days. Uh, right. The last few days here. Uh, but yeah, in, th- in that game, you know, Wyndham. Um, Wyndham looked to be in trouble early from my perspective. I don't know what they, they might tell you differently, but, you know, Concord took its first possession, went right down the field and, and, and scored uh, with Colby Nye and hitting Connor Hughes for, for a touchdown and uh, a quick 7 nothing lead. And uh, Wyndham struggled a little bit early trying to move the ball. Um, you know, Concord was, their interior defense, uh, particularly on the line, was keeping Tiger on in check. I had, uh, for his through his, uh, excuse me, first, what, let's see, nine carries, or excuse me, eight carries, I had Tiger on with six yards. Huh. Um, so yeah, you don't see that stat line. Yeah, happen. and then at halftime, he had 10 carries for 30 yards. Ended up with uh, with 18 carries for 96 yards and two touchdowns. 
Uh, so certainly a little bit more, uh, you know, wearing down of the defense in the in the second half. Uh, but you know, Wyndham was able to tie it uh, in the second quarter, so it was seven seven at halftime. And then um, Wyndham's defense kind of took over. You know, uh, they they got three interceptions of, of nine in the second half. Uh, you know, to set up the offense with short fields. There was also a, a conquered uh, turnover on downs when they, they tried a fake punt deep in their own end. Um, Wyndham was able to score off of that. Um, you know, so it kind of quickly turned a, a, a close game into, uh, you know, a comfortable win for the Jaguars and, and certainly a, a win that they uh, they desperately needed to, to keep their season going. Yeah, now, Joe, was your impression that those those three interceptions kind of came as a result of Wyndham's run defense really kind of figuring out, you know, and shutting down the rushing attack of Concord and so kind of forcing them into obvious passing situations? Not, not so much, because um, Concord was able to run the ball a little bit. They had, uh, you know, they finished with 161 yards, um, you know, not, I mean, it, it took them 46 carries to get there, but they had, at that time, they had run the ball uh, effectively. Um, yeah. You know, and at times they had been passing the ball pretty well. Uh, I will say that the, the first interception uh, was a tremendous play by uh, by Wyndham's Cam Williams. Um, I forget the receiver that the ball was going to, um, but it was one of those where it was like they both looked like they caught it, um, you know, kind of simultaneously. And yeah. then as they're going to the ground, Williams just wrestled it away from from the receiver. Yeah, I don't I don't have that written down who it was. Um, yeah. but I mean he just he just wrestled the ball away. Uh made a great play on it. Um to give Wyndham the ball at, at Concord's twenty six and and uh Billy DiPietro scored uh, a couple plays later to make it fourteen seven. Uh, you know, so so I, I th- and then after that I think Concord got into a situation where you know, they needed to throw the ball a little bit more. So, yeah, maybe a little bit of, of after that play, what you were just talking about. Um, yeah. But maybe not not to start with. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, you know, so, yeah, that was, a, that was a fun end to the season to see, uh, you know, that celebration afterwards and, and uh, you know, to, to see Wyndham get in and have a, a shot at uh, maybe pulling off a, a crazy upset uh, in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, Wyndham gets in with what three, three, three wins. wins. Yeah, yeah, um, and probably largely on the strength of that Alvern victory. You know, Alvern having a, a a pretty good season with what five wins, right? Right. Um, so uh, that's four, ten four in division. Points. Yeah, four in division. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's uh, an eighteen point win for for Wyndham but I mean they, right. they've also you know it wasn't just you know Londonderry that they played tough you know they uh they hung with Salem for most of that game uh they had a nice second half against Pinkerton where they made that game interesting um right. you know they had that that weird loss to Merrimack that I I don't quite understand <laughs> um so really Portsmouth Oyster River has been the only team that's kind of handled them I would say you know from start to finish right yeah, so it sets up an interesting game, as you mentioned, a rematch of that really, really close. Um, what was it, Week Four Londonderry game that was at Wyndham? So, yeah, yeah not so, one, that, uh, not one that Londonderry can sleep on for sure. Yeah, so let's uh, let's run down the the D one schedule playoff schedule real quick. Uh, as we said, Wyndham is at Londonderry. That game, as of right now, is scheduled for Saturday, uh, one o'clock kickoff. Actually. All of the the D one preliminary round games as of right now are are Saturday starts. Uh, no one move, no one moving their games to Friday uh, this year in D one. Um, Keene is the twelve seed. They'll they're at Exeter, who is the the five. Uh, that that's a one p.m. kickoff on Saturday. Uh, number eleven Spalding is at number six Salem. They kick off at one on Saturday, and then you got two games uh, going on at Stello Stadium on Saturday. So if you're you're looking to to watch some football all day, uh, there you go. Uh, number ten Alvern is taking on number seven Nashua North. That game kicks off at twelve uh, p.m. on Saturday, and then in the nightcap you got number nine Dover uh, coming out. Actually, for the second year in a row, coming out to Stello's to play 
number eight Bishop Girton. That game is uh, scheduled for a six o'clock kickoff on Saturday. And then, of course, uh, the top three seeds, number one, Pinkerton, number two, Portsmouth Oyster River, and number three, Bedford, all get buys into the quarterfinals, which will be uh, the following Saturday, as of right now, uh, November 11th. Yeah, good lineup. I mean, it, I think we is. had, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it, and I think we had said at, at some point, maybe just a couple weeks ago, that it did seem like Pinkerton, Londonderry, and Portsmouth Oyster River had sort of separated themselves by the strength of some of their wins. And and, and Bedford. And Bedford, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, um, and and so that kind of worked out, um, you know, the way that you might have thought. But I don't know some of these some of these other Division One teams had really good, almost like comeback type seasons. Like Salem, just continues to impress me. Yeah, I know that yeah. they dropped games uh, two in a row at the end here to Pinkerton and Londonderry, but like we were talking about, that Salem game was tied fourteen fourteen. Yeah, uh, at one point, and it really took us, uh, you know, a uh, a second surge from Londonderry to, to pull ahead. Yeah. Um, and Londonderry, I think outgained them by 150 yards total, but Salem played a great game there. Um, and, and kind of showed how far they've come since last year's season where they were young and kind of still taking their lumps and learning a little bit. I mean, that's a good story. Obviously the Wyndham story is a, is an interesting one. Um, I, I just think there's a lot of good stories in Division One this year. Up, uh, Spalding was one that came to mind too. I think they had made it last year. They're right, um, they did. Um, yeah, the, there are uh, what three teams I think that that did not make the playoffs last year that are in this year. Uh, Keene, Alvern, and uh, and Salem were not playoff right. teams last year. Yeah, and thank you for mentioning Alvern. That was the other one I was going to say was. Um, you know, I always hate saying a surprise because it sounds disrespectful and that's not at all what i mean i actually mean it as respectful um <laughs> you know a surprise to see alvern uh you know kind of kind of take care of business when they needed to and and you know clinch a spot as well so congratulations to them yeah and i i think you know that game uh, you know might be a little bit more interesting than than some people think um you know that that alvern north game that that's the other thing that that kind of strikes me you know, it's just going to say it about that game, but but really, outside, other than the Wyndham Londonderry game, none of these teams played each other in the regular yes. season. These are all first time uh, matchups um, for this season in all these games, which is really, uh, I think, makes it even more exciting. And then if you look at the the quarterfinals, um, you know, depending on who wins which, you know, these these first round games, um, you know, you look at Pinkerton, uh, yeah, they they played BG, got a big win over them, didn't play Dover. Um, you know, Wyndham, uh, didn't play Keene or Exeter, you know, and Londonderry played Exeter, but didn't play Keene. So those, you know, potential there for some first time matchups, Alvern and North, neither one of them played Portsmouth Oyster River. Same thing with Spalding and Salem. Neither one of them played Bedford. Yeah. So the, you know, we're going to go through a couple rounds here potentially with, with matchups that are kind of unknowns, which, you know, always used to happen in the championship game when there were just 20 teams in the division, but um, you kind of knew what you were getting to, to a degree, you know, with those opening rounds of the playoffs, the way everything was structured. So here it's kind of, you know, it's a, uh, it's a lot of unknowns. If, if you were, if you were setting lines for these games, it might be, uh, might be a little tricky. Yeah. I, I'm glad you said it. Cause I was actually going to make the same observation that we're <laughs> getting matchups that, you know, we didn't see during the regular season. I think it, I think it makes it feel, you know, sometimes they call the playoffs the second season. Yeah. It makes it almost feel like an, ext an extension of the season now because you're not getting those those rematches and being able to take that information and say, oh, you know, kind of extrapolate what might happen. But these are these are fresh matchups for teams that aren't as familiar with each other. Um, makes for a pretty cool. Um, what are they calling this preliminary round? Yes, yes, preliminary um, round, first round. Yeah, what a, yeah, one or the other. Joe, before we move off of that, are they doing, I, I think last year, if I remember correctly, they did some, like, they did like a series of consolation yes. games. Um, thank you for bringing that up. I almost, I was, I wanted to mention it and almost forgot. Yes. As far as I know, they are playing um, what they were calling, I think they were just calling them like the 10th game. Um, unfortunately, they don't have that on the NHIA website yet. 
Yeah. Um, I know they posted it last year, but I was looking at some of the schools, um, you know, their individual websites, uh, and, and I did see that there were a couple scheduled for, actually for Thursday of this week, which if you really want to overload on football, you can go see one of these games on Thursday, one of the playoff games that's been moved to Friday, and then double up with that Dover BG night game. You'd do four games this weekend if you want, really wanted to. Yeah. I might be that crazy, but we'll see. I was going to say, are you doing four <laughs> games this weekend, Joe? <laughs> uh, well, see, so the the problem for me is some of these Thursday night games are, uh, like the, the one that, that, I, that popped up on my radar first is uh, we've got Nashua South uh, at Winniconnet on Thursday at six. So that, that one's, uh, that would be a little bit of a haul for me yeah. uh, to get, to get out to the seacoast uh, uh, for a six o'clock game on a Thursday night. Um, yeah. You know, so that's one of them. Uh, I believe another one is, um, yeah, Goffstown is at Concord uh, again, six o'clock on Thursday. Uh, so th- that'd be another game. And then um, oh, who else was in this? Now I'm drawing a blank. I can't find the. Uh, yeah, here it is. Uh, Timberlane and uh, and Manchester Central playing at Manchester Central again Thursday at two, uh, which leaves uh, Merrimack and Memorial um, as the other two teams that were not playoff teams this year. And I'm not sure what's going on there because no one has that game. Neither school has that game on their schedule at the moment. Um, hmm. I, I mean, they, they they are games that that don't have to be played. Like it's optional, I believe, to to play this game. So perhaps one of those two teams opted not to play this game. I know Memorial does have the Thanksgiving game um, coming up at the end of the month against Central. So I I don't know if that was taken into account or or maybe it just maybe it just hasn't been posted as happening yet right uh but yeah those other three games are all thursday night six o'clock games if you are are looking for some football uh on a thursday night this week yeah interesting i i don't remember how that went last year um Um, i know so the, the two that stand out to me i know alvern got a win over goffstown um, in their game, and then Nashua South beat Salem in theirs, but I don't remember what happened in the other other two games. Yeah, interesting. It's it's always great to get extra football in. It's it's a little awkward, um, you know, with like a lot of the attention being on the playoffs, and you know, you kind of know you're you're done at that point. So you know, it almost kind of feels like a like like the Thanksgiving game games sure, used to feel sure. right. Like they're they're still great events and it's good stuff to go to, but they don't necessarily have this great meaning. So you have to kind of you have to kind of figure out like how do you get those teams motivated and excited and and you know those type of things. Well, so for, from my perspective, I, it's funny. I was actually saying this to someone on um, last weekend mm-hmm. that that I wished that these games would be on Thursdays because you know, last year I think they had them on Friday, right? So they overlapped with you know, the, the playoff games that get moved to Friday. Um, right. So I think this is excellent that they have them on Thursday and, and it gives people the opportunity to, to maybe see these games or, or, you know, for someone like myself to go cover one of these games um, and not have to, you know, miss a playoff game to do it. Right. Yeah, it, it makes it so the attention doesn't get totally taken away right. from them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good decision that they made there. Yeah. All right, what do you say we move on to uh, to D2 here? Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, excellent. Um, you know, going into th- – this was, uh, you know, as much as there was still left to be determined in Division One going into the weekend, D2 was really where it was a mess. Uh, you know, I, I was going through the, the points and scenarios and, uh, you know, double and triple checking everything, and I still wasn't quite sure if I had it, everything right. Uh, so, you know, if, if you were – you were reading that this past week and it sounded kind of vague uh my apologies but it was intentional <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, i mean because basically what i what what you knew going in was that you know palom was going to be the one seed uh plymouth was going to be the two seed if it beat sanborn if sanborn beat plymouth they would be the two seed sauhegan with a win locked up the three seed um and then that was just about it you know um plymouth would have been four if they lost to sanborn uh, Sanborn obviously dropped the five because of tiebreakers, 
with St. Thomas winning, they they lost out on the tiebreaker to to St. Thomas. Um, you know, and then you had Stark that looked like they were in, but you know, I wasn't a hundred percent sure on that. Uh, and then I believe you know there were five other teams that were up for those last two spots between you know Bo and and Kennett ended up getting them, uh, but you also had. Uh, Guilford, Belmont, Hanover, and Laconia that were still alive mathematically for those uh, all those playoff spots. Um, you know, Bo ends up getting an overtime win uh, against Laconia to clinch their spot. Obviously, Plymouth beats Sanborn twenty-one uh, nothing to get that two seed. Uh, Saint Thomas with a convincing win over Guilford, Belmont to knock them out and keep Kennett in. You know, Kennett was in a spot where they won that last game of the regular season. And uh, but had, you know, Guilford Belmont or um, it was just set up in a way that that they could have gotten knocked out uh, if someone else. If I, I think that's what it was, if Guilford Belmont had won against St. Thomas, Kennett would have been out. So, yeah, just a, a lot, a lot of moving parts, a lot going on. And it gives us, I think, four quarterfinal games this weekend that are uh, are going to be very interesting. Yeah, and and Joe, to the point that we were making about Division One, if I'm not mistaken, three of those four matchups are again brand new. Yep, teams that uh, well, they're yeah, they're they're crossover games. Uh, right, teams that did not meet during the regular season. Right, I think the only one that that is a rematch is um, is it John Stark and Plymouth? Uh, no, uh, Sanborn and, and, and Sanborn Saint Thomas. Saint- yeah. yeah. They, okay. Yeah, they played um, earlier this season. Uh, I'll tell you exactly when in a second here. Um, I've got it here. It was week, week three. Week it was three, the... yep. yep. That St. Thomas won 15-9. to nine. Right. Um, you know, so that was uh, – oh, no, that wasn't – I was going to say, was that the week that things – you know, the, the thunderstorms and weather-affected games, but it was not. It was the week before. Uh, right. That was that um, 14 to nothing. Game that Pelham and St. Thomas had. Yes, you're right. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, a close game the first two times these teams met, and, and that win is what gives St. Thomas the home game, you know, instead of Sanborn. Right. Uh, and because of that, uh, yeah, let's go over the schedule here, uh, where we do have a couple Friday night games. Uh, actually, Sanborn and St. Thomas are, are going to play at St. Thomas Friday night, uh, 6 o'clock kickoff there. And then uh, Bo, who is the sixth seed, is going to number three, Sauhegan, for a 7 p.m. kickoff on Friday night. And yep. then your other two games are on Saturday. Number eight, Kennett, is uh, making the trek down to number one, Pelham, for a 1 o'clock kickoff. And then number seven, John Stark, is going to number two, Plymouth, uh, also for a 1 o'clock kickoff. And if I'm not mistaken, that's Stark's first playoff appearance since 2018, I want to say, which I think was also against Plymouth. I could be wrong about that. It might have been against somebody else, but I'm. I know they had a big, a uh, couple big games that year, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But I might be wrong about that. Now that I think yeah, I it. I actually I do not recall. Um, I do remember them playing, uh, during the regular season. I want to say it was either that year. It was 2017. They all start to blend together after a while, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but still, I I mean that. You know, despite that being a two versus a seven, um, I think that game has the potential to be a pretty interesting one. Oh, I think so, too. Yeah, yeah. I think so, too. I mean, again, aside from a couple of um, missteps, I mean, John Stark has had some convincing wins this season. Um, and and again, I think Plymouth is obviously a very good team, but, you know, they've they've had some closer games than you might think. Right. Um, yeah, uh, especially as of late, right. The, the, the St. Thomas and the Sanborn games were, you know, not exactly decisive, I would say for Plymouth. So, um, it, it puts two very good football teams, um, one that's very used to being there and one that's probably really hungry, um, you know, kind of in competition with each other, which I think makes a great story. Well, I was trying to find, uh, more on, on that, that playoff, uh, appearance by star and i'm i'm having no luck at the, <laughs> the moment um you know 
the I, I, I gotta say too, I really uh I'm I'm glad that some of these games are able to get moved around. I think we we probably say this every year. Um you know, just, just having that opportunity to see a couple extra games or to cover an extra game each weekend I, I absolutely love and I, I hope that other people are appreciating that uh as well. Um you know, just having that opportunity. Yeah, and I'm I'm guessing it's an un, it's a positive byproduct of an unfortunate situation with regard to available officiating and things like that. Oh, you mean the the moving to Friday? Um, no, they, well, they've allowed them to do that the last couple of years. Um, just because I know there were some schools that prefer to play Friday nights, right? Um, but no, I'm not. I don't believe it has um, officiating wasn't a, a part of that. No. I oh, that's good. I don't think. Um. I don't know any uh, anything else pop out to you about uh, about Division Two. No, I, I, I'm like you though, Joe. I think there's probably a couple matchups there that, at first glance, you might say, "Well, you know, the outcome of that would be obvious." But I, I do think that there's a couple of. I, I think it's more complex than that in a couple of these matchups. So I'm I'm actually really looking forward to it, especially I, since it's unknowns like we were talking right. about. Right. Yeah. I, I was just going to say I think that might lead to maybe some first half scores where we look at these games and go, hmm, you know, that's that's a closer game than maybe I expected, just because you know these these three of these games are between teams that you know aren't familiar with each other this season. Right. Yeah. So that should be uh, that should be fun. Uh, yep. you see in how that plays out. Uh, so then in division three, uh, we did, we talked about Monadnock, uh, you know, in their, their kind of late season comeback and comeback in that win over Kingswood to, you know, to get themselves into the playoffs, uh, as the number four seed. And their reward is a trip to, like I said, trip to Litchfield to take on number one Campbell. Uh, that is a one o'clock kickoff on Saturday. And then the uh, the other semifinal game in D three, you've got number three Interlakes Moultonboro going to number two Trinity uh, for another one p.m. kickoff on Saturday, and uh, those two played actually in week two of the season, uh, with Trinity getting a uh, a convincing forty two to nothing win. In fact, looking at Interlakes Moultonboro's schedule, uh, they've been. Um, you know, with the exception of maybe the season opener against Stevens, they win 27-21. And then the finale, they beat Conval 20-13. The rest of their games have been pretty convincing wins. And then you have those two losses to the top two seeds uh, that, that the Lakers dropped by, what, a combined 78 to nothing. Right. Uh, so certainly an uphill battle for both Monadnock and Interlakes Moultonboro uh, this weekend. Yeah, you know, sometimes when I see that that kind of um, season record, right, for a team like Interlakes Moultonboro, it does make you wonder a little bit, were they that outmatched by Trinity and Campbell, or was there some psychology there? Meaning, you know, those were the two finalists last year. Obviously, right out of the gate, you know, they, they were the front runners for the top two spots this year. You know, it does make you wonder a little bit. You know, was Interlakes Moultonboro kind of, um, you know, especially since it was first half of the season, you know, were they going in there? I wouldn't say intimidated is the right word, but right. But there's some psychology sometimes with a team when you're you're going in and you're saying, geez, you know, maybe maybe this is uh, a game we can't win. Right. But then you come out and rip off five wins in a row. Well, I, I know one of them was a oh, the, um, the forfeit win against Kearsarge. Right. 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 But you come out and rip off four wins in a row, uh, you know, against some good teams, by the way. Sure. Um, you're, you might be in a very different place in terms of confidence and maturity and things like that. So that's one of those places where I would say, hey, I would expect that to be potentially one of those first half scores that you might be surprised at when you yeah. take a look. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, and, and I mean, that those those were so long ago. I mean, you you got to imagine both teams have changed you know, to some degree, either, you know, gotten better or, or figured some things out. Um, so yeah, certainly I, you know, and, and then you look at what happened in, in, in D3 last year. Um, you know, you had, like we said, you had Campbell, um, rebounding from, from two, I, I want to say blowout losses against 
Trinity and Monadnock in the regular season to to bounce back and and, and beat both teams in the playoffs on the way to a, a championship. Right. You know, so you, you you really never know. It, it, tough to to count anyone out uh, completely once you get into the playoffs. Um, right. Uh, it should be should be an interesting one, and of course, uh, the winners of those games uh, will be in the final, uh, which will be the following Saturday, the 11th, uh, at Sauhegan High School, one o'clock kickoff as of right now for that game. Um, so, yeah, that's a great venue for that game. I yeah. went last year, uh, as I know you did yeah, to the Trinity yeah. game, and it was a great atmosphere. It was uh, it was a great game. It was a warm day, if you remember. Um, I don't know if we'll be that lucky this year, but uh, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, but it was a it was a cool it was a cool place for um, for a kind of a neutral venue, I right. think, for that Division Three championship. So I think I think that's going to be a lot of fun again this year. Yeah, I think uh, unfortunately we might have used up all of our uh, our warm days, uh, fall days last week. I, I, yeah, just, I think that's my gut feeling. Yeah, you're probably <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, any any other thoughts on D three, or, or shall we move on to Division four? No, it's at D four. All right. Well, this was uh, you know we talked about that that Franklin uh, Bishop Brady game uh, come you know taking care of the the final seed obviously in in the division uh, Brady getting that with that three nothing win, but there was um, you know another game that that was uh, you know had impact on potentially on seeding that this this when I saw the final score my it kind of you know my eyes popped open a little bit there. Um, you know, and that is the, uh, you know, Raymond, uh, Newport game where, uh, Newport came away with a 44 to 40 win over Raymond in, uh, I, I mean, I, I certainly was not expecting uh, a shootout in that game, you know, especially given what, uh, what Newport has been doing to teams all season, but then also the, the performance that, that Raymond turned in against, uh, the other top team in the division, Summersworth. Which you were there for. Uh, which I, I was there for on a, a very rainy Saturday. So maybe that had something to do with it, too. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, I mean, Newport gave up more points to to Raymond than they had given up combined all season by <laughs> by double, almost right? Du- yeah, almost double yeah. or more than double. They The 40 right. points, they'd given up 12 to Summersworth and then 6 to Franklin. Yeah, uh, so they given up yeah, 18 eight, points all yeah. season. That's, they gave up forty against Raymond. Yeah, I I don't really know how that happens, but I mean, you know, you could see the game that I saw Raymond. Uh, you know, they, they're a team that that is running a you know a spread offense, pass heavy offense. Um, you know, and there were um, you know there there were some just some near misses in that game. Uh, you know, and and that you know if it's a nicer day, obviously things could be a little bit different. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> Again, it kind of throws things uh, you know sideways a little bit. You know, is uh, what, what's Raymond going to do with a rematch against Summersworth? And you know, does um, you know? I wonder. You know, did Newport have anybody banged up? Is that going to open the door for Bishop Brady to right. you know maybe make some noise? Right. Who knows? Um. But yeah, oh, that's, I guess we should, you know, should probably tell people when those games are too, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, that Raymond Summersworth game uh, again, another one that was moved to Friday night, 7 p.m. kickoff uh, at Summersworth, and then uh, Bishop Brady is at Newport, uh, four versus one. That's another Saturday, 1 p.m. kickoff uh, for the Giants and the Tigers, and then of course the two team, two winners of the of those games will meet in the championship on the 11th. Uh, next Saturday at uh, at Bank of New Hampshire Stadium in Laconia. Another, uh, as of now, 1 p.m. kickoff scheduled for that one. That works out well for Division Four too, because you just you have those two semifinal games taking place in different on different days and different time slots. Yeah, um, kind of interesting. I, I imagine the winner of that Raymond Summersworth game will be making the trip uh, across state to uh, to Newport to to keep an eye on that one i i would assume precisely yep <laughs> uh i i would imagine though tough for uh for either brady or newport you're not going to go scout uh i would imagine the day before you know it, not knowing whether you're going to win or not 
Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think of all the crazy scouting that we did <laughs> when I was younger. And it's like, but that was before like huddle was really a big sure, thing. Sure. I mean, obviously, I was coaching when when huddle became big too. But man, I, I can remember like in my early days, we you know when you were trading VHS films and DVDs with people, we we'd run all over the place because we were we were crazy. But um, so you never know. Co- co- football coaches are crazy. They'll get a you know if they think that there's a something that will give them a slight edge, a slight advantage to going and seeing that game live. Um, these are competitive. These are competitive people. You, 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 I wouldn't put it past them. <laughs> well, uh, I'm one way or the other. I am, uh, I'm certainly looking forward to what is going to happen this weekend. Um, I don't know what's going to happen this weekend, which should make our, uh, our picks pretty interesting. Uh, for yeah. the end of the week, um, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of games that look like they could be toss ups, um, but I'm sure we'll go certainly one way or the other, um, you know, and, and we'll look back on that and kind of like, oh, that was interesting. Uh, yeah. But any any uh, anything else? Uh, any final thoughts before we uh, we wrap up for for the week? No, I, d- I can't believe we're here already. And, oh, yeah. uh, and uh, I am uh, I'm, I'm excited that we are, but um yeah, I mean, it, it's congratulations to all the teams that did make it, and uh, I'm I'm looking forward to the weekend. I also, Joe, did get confirmation that Merrimack is indeed playing Memorial. Do we know? Do we know where that game is? I don't. I just okay. got the, the just thumbs to... up that that was taking place. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, so we got four Thursday. I'm assuming Thursday night. Uh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So four Thursday night games. If you're uh, you know, you're looking for for an extra game to go see this week. That, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I will be. We'll we'll see. We'll see what the week brings, right? Right. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Mike, thanks again for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me, Joe. Yeah, he is uh, Mike Lockman. I'm Joe Marcellina. Uh Good luck to everyone in the playoffs this week. Uh, enjoy the games, and uh, we will uh, talk to you next week.